0: So, shalom and welcome to Truth Nuggets, number nine. And this is Reverend Ferret. This is our fourth lesson on the Lord's Prayer. And I think you'll remember the Hebrew from the previous lessons, HaTafilah Adonai, the Lord's Prayer. Before we begin, I wanted to mention that you should check the website out, www.lightamenorah.org. And again, menorah is spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H www.lightofmenorah, all one word, no spaces, .org. When you get to the website and the home page, on the right side is a calendar, and you should click on the calendar, check on it every once in a while. There are some fall events that are being considered, God willing. Obviously, we're in the midst of this worldwide pandemic, and if things can open up, If that will happen, there may be some things that will be happening in the fall in September and October. So check that out. Just click on the calendar and it will take you to the uh, actual calendar uh, with some announcements. So we're going to continue with the Lord's Prayer. And we realize that Jesus taught it so we, as his disciples would be able to pray just like our rabbi. Because we want to be just like him. The church calls it the imitation of Christ. And where do they get that? They got that from the idea that disciples in Israel, in Jesus's day, were not students. But more than that, they wanted to be what their rabbi is. So we can say that Jesus gave us, Hattafila Adonai, the Lord's Prayer, to us his disciples. So now it's become Hatafila Talmudim, the prayer of the disciples. And again, we want to be like him. What a what a new purpose for us to pray this daily, three times a day, continuously, without ceasing, forever, and therefore daily to make a statement that we are true disciples of Yeshua. Now, in the previous lesson, I brought up um, an event where Jesus was talking to his father, where in in his own words, he said, My father, uh, if you can remove this cup. And he did that in Gethsemane. Christians talk about the Garden of Gethsemane. But in actuality, it probably was an olive press. An olive press in Hebrew is Gat Shemanim, a press for oils, Gat Shemanim. And it's fairly clear that word goes into the Greek and also finally into the English, to Gethsemane. Very interesting. The Bible never mentions a garden called Gethsemane. It never says that. Never associates the words Gethsemane and garden, or garden and Gethsemane. Most Bible scholars, archaeologists, Bible historians agree that Jesus went to an olive press. Did he pray in the press? Olive press? We don't know. Could very well be because it probably was a very cool night that April in 30 A.D. Now on the website, uh, in this session description, I link you to a video that Light of Menorah did in Israel, in a Gat Shemanim. The title of the video is, Where is Gethsemane? Where is that place that Jesus prayed the night before he died? So I wanted to let you know, it's in the session description for this session. We have that link besides other links. So that's the first link there, the link to the video that is on our Facebook page. So now let's continue. We are now using the exact words of the prayer and studying the exact words. And I'm using the version of the Lord's Prayer that's found in the New American Standard Bible in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, in the previous session, we dealt with the two words, Our Father. What did that mean to the disciples when they were praying Our Father in the Jewish culture? And what was amazing, we found that many of the prayers that the Jewish people prayed in those days, probably prayers they had memorized and said three times a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year, forever, many of those prayers had the phrase, Our Father. Now let's study the next phrase, Who is in heaven? When I teach my classes, I just love to ask the question, Where does God live? Where is the abode of God. Or another way of saying is, where's God right now? Now, we start, Hatafila Talmudim, the prayer of the disciples, which we call the Lord's Prayer, we start with our Father who's in heaven. Thus, does God live in heaven? Hmm. In Genesis 1.1, we read that God created... The heavens and the earth. So prior to Genesis 1-1, there were no heavens. But the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father who's in heaven. So if God now lives in heaven, and he created the heavens and the earth, and prior to Genesis 1-1, if there were no heavens, did he move? Did he leave his dwelling place? Prior to creation, he must have. There were no heavens before Genesis 1.1. Once again, the English language causes us some problems because Jesus spoke Hebrew. And Hebrew words have conceptual meanings, not definitions. Remember, Jesus taught this prayer to his Jewish disciples between 24 to 30 AD. He taught it in Hebrew. I'm going to link you at the website to Dr. Brad Young's awesome material on the Lord's Prayer. And if you actually get some of this, you'll be able to actually read his attempt at saying what was the Lord's Prayer What did it sound like in Hebrew in Jesus' day? So I think you'll find it very interesting. And when we get to the last lesson, I'll actually uh, go through the Hebrew of Dr. Young's uh, version. Now, when we take a look at the Hebrew of the Lord's Prayer, and we're talking about our Father who was in heaven, the actual Hebrew would be Avenu, Avenu, which is our Father, Sheva. Sheva in Hebrew means who is in, dwells in, or lives in. So, Avenu, Sheva, our father who dwells in or lives in, who or who is in. Avenu, Sheva. Shamaim. Heavens. Heavens is plural, not singular. Our father, Sheva, Shamaim. Our father, who is in the heavens." Now this is interesting because our English says heaven, and it becomes singular in the English, but in the Hebrew, Jesus would have said shamayim, heavens. How does the Hebrew end the confusion about where God lives? God creates the heavens. The Lord's Prayer says God is in heaven. Does God live in heaven? For many of us today, we might say heaven, or the heavens, is the sky, the space, the moon, planets, galaxies, and the physical universe. Now, the Hebrew word shamayim, its Strong's number is H8064. And when we take that word shamayim, and we use the Gesenius lexicon, we find out that the conceptual meaning is based upon the root word for shamayim, which is shama. And shama means above or up there. The conceptual meaning is something that's up there, something that's above us. Well, first, first we would say the firmament. The firmament is the universe, the sky, the sun. The moon, the stars, the galaxies, everything that's above us, the firmament. But also in the Bible, Shamayim is used as the place above, just above. It's also considered the abode of God and the angels. So the difference is the firmament, the sky, the moon, the stars, the universe, the galaxies, and so on, is not where God abides. He abides in a different heaven, he, a different place above. And this is where he dwells, beyond space, beyond time, beyond what we might consider the heaven. In Hebrew, therefore, now things make sense. So we might be able to say this now, understanding that shamayim basically has the conceptual meaning of something above. So, in other words, we would say, yes, the moon, the stars, the galaxy, and so on is the heavens. All right, because that's something above. But God is even above that. He's in the heaven of the heavens. In other words, He's above that which is above. So, we could possibly say in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, you are in your abode. You are in your dwelling place, and you dwell beyond the firmament. You dwell beyond that which is the universe. You dwell outside the universe. Even the Jews in Jesus' day reference this. They talk about multiple heavens. You can take a look at this in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 4. And we read boasting is necessary though it is not profitable but i will go on to visions and revelations of the lord i know a man in christ paul says who 14 years ago whether in the body i do not know or out of the body i do not know god knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven and i know how such a man whether in the body or apart from the body i do not know god knows was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. In John Gill's commentary of the Bible, which is a very famous Bible commentary, he starts talking about the fact that in Jesus' day, there was a targum. A targum is nothing more than an Aramaic uh, translation of the Bible in Jesus' day. And in that targum, it talks about the fact that there were three distinct heavens, Tekon In other words, there was the supreme heaven, the middle heaven, and the lower heaven. And it just so happens that the lower heaven is where we live. The middle heaven was what we would place where the moon, the stars, and the galaxies are. And the supreme heaven is where God dwells. Now, the Hebrew scriptures also suggest this. They don't say this exactly. You can look this up yourself. Genesis 6-7. When you read Genesis 6-7, it talks about the birds of heaven. Well, the birds of heaven, they, they're just flying in the sky, just kind of right above us. In other words, the birds that are above us, using not heaven, but the, the word Shamaim meaning above, the birds who are above us. So we would say that is takton shemeah, that is the lower heaven. Deuteronomy 4.19, we read about the sun and the moon and the stars in heaven. That would be the middle heaven, that would be tikon shemeah. And Deuteronomy 10.14, it talks about the highest heaven. And the highest heaven belongs to Yahweh. The highest heaven belongs to the Lord. The highest heaven belongs to Elohenu, our God. Elyon Shemaya, the highest heavens. Indeed, when we reconnect, we attain an amazing enhanced understanding. Now, there's nothing wrong for the way we pray. I mean, many of us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's nothing wrong with that. But from those days we can now see that this prayer and these concepts are deeper and wider and bigger than everything we imagined before this and so for me i like to pray the lord's prayer and i do haga and if you recall in lesson 2 haga is the hebrew word that's used for meditation But meditation is not our meditation. It's actually verbalizing our inner thoughts, inspired by the Spirit, and actually verbalizing it, saying it out loud. And so the rabbis might say that prayer is said out loud using specific words. Haggah is verbalizing your inner thoughts. And so it's almost as if this is very complementary to prayer. So I like to haggah. In other words, I like to read or I like to recite prayers, psalms, and so on. But then the Holy Spirit seems to come upon me and give me ideas and, and concepts and, and insights into what I'm actually saying in the psalm or the Lord's Prayer. And so I like to add to what I'm saying. So for instance, here's, here's an example. Many times in the morning, and I say the Lord's Prayer every morning, So I might say something like this. Our Father. You are Creator God. You are the Father of Israel. You are the Father of your Son Jesus. Your only begotten Son. And you're the Father of His disciples. Us. You Father. And you dwell in heaven. You dwell above and beyond space and time. And I say, Hallowed be your name. So, We have seen and we have understood what the disciples saw and heard and understood. So for us, it seems to enhance our praying of the Lord's Prayer. We're going to pray this prayer He gave us, Hatafila Talmudim. Let's do this daily, two to three times a day, forever. Let's pray without ceasing, continuously. Every day, let's do a visible commitment to Jesus and ourselves that we want to be a true disciple. So as we reconnect to the Jewish culture of Jesus' day, the Lord's Prayer takes on an amazing, awesome, different perspective. Now in the next lesson, we'll focus in on the words, Hallowed be your name. Does anybody know how to hello? If you do, you should email me because I'd like to know how to hello. What's this all about? Once again, we'll go back to Jesus's day. We'll Take a look in the Hebrew culture and we'll hear what they heard. We'll see what they saw. We'll understand what they understood and it will enhance and enrich our walk with Jesus today. Shalom.